Hi, everybody. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. I want to greet those of you who are here and those of you joining us in tradition, Gospel Fusion, downtown Fitchburg. Uh, those of you watching online, and of course, those of you joining us via podcast. Uh, to the Chinese speakers, to the Spanish speakers, we are in the middle of our sermon series called Live This Book. And the big idea of this series is that the entire Bible is a single story. And here's the thing we've noticed, that when we read the Bible as a story, some of the th things that we know about God and about the Bible, they have a way of shifting, right? So what is God really about? What is salvation? What is prayer? You know, what is law? Those things begin to shift. And so since September of last year, we have been in this series working our way, teaching our way through the story, and, and we have been pretty much parked in this one particular collection in the Old Testament, and the collection is called Primary History. Now, I showed you this slides back in, like, back in first Sunday, back in September. I don't know if you remember this, okay? So this is the structure of the Old Testament. The Old Testament has a narrative backbone. It's called Primary History. It's a single collection, edited work. It runs from Genesis all the way to 2 Kings. It's a single story. And then all the other books in the Old Testament, they come in, you know, books like, you know, prophet books and, and then, you know, Job and, and, and Psalms, they come in and they bring complexity and richness to the narrative world. So we have been reading primary history since last September. And so today, well, today is the last Sunday in primary history. In fact, it is the last Sunday uh, in Old Testament. Okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. Okay. When I said, in fact, today is the last Sunday in Old Testament, what I need to hear from you is, Oh, okay, can we do that again? All right, let me try that again, okay? Take two, all right. In fact, this is our last Sunday in the Old Testament. Thank you, thank you so much, thank you. So we're gonna go into the New Testament next Sunday, and uh, we're gonna talk about Jesus. He's kind of a big name, big character in the story of the Bible. So we're gonna spend six weeks, six Sundays on Jesus, okay? That means today, it's kind of a chance for us to take a look at the Old Testament, look back at it as a whole. And we want to kind of take a 10,000-foot look at the Old Testament story and ask the question, what is the whole story about? And how are you supposed to respond when you read it? And to do that today, I want to help you read primary history and read the Old Testament through the lens of a particular people, the ancient Israelites in exile in Babylon. Let me explain. Okay, so if you remember last week, Pastor Chris Kopp, he talked about how the, the, the Old Testament story is really kind of a geographical loop, right? You, you start with Abraham. He's in Ur, and God calls him. He says, hey, go to Canaan. And so he goes there. He raises a family, three or four generations, and then they all move down to Egypt. 400 years there. They become a great people, and then God rescues them, he saves them out of oppression, takes them into Sinai, where they receive the law, the Torah. 40 years here, and then they go back into Canaan, they start a kingdom, and this is where God establishes temple, establishes a kingship, and then 586 BC, the Babylonian army comes across, destroys God's kingdom, and grabs the remnant, the educated elite of God's people, and he takes them all the way back to Babylon. That's the loop in the Old Testament. That's how the story ends. Now, 
This is where the people are at the end of the story. This is where God's people live in Babylon. And what we want to do is we want to read primary history. We want to read the entire Old Testament through their eyes. Why? Because primary history was written to them. Yeah, you heard, you heard it here at Blackhawk before, right? The Bible's not written to us, but for us. Primary history, Genesis to 2 Kings, was, was composed over a period of a thousand years. And then in exile, in Babylon, unnamed editors pulled it together and created it into a single composition. It was written to them in order to understand their questions. Okay? So today what we want to learn is how would the exiles in Babylon, how would they read primary history? How would they respond to primary history? Now, to do that, we're going to try something a little different. So this is a talit. This is a Jewish prayer shawl. Now, in a moment, I'm going to put this around my shoulders. Now, I'm not going to put it on right because I tried it, and it, when I put it on right, it falls off. So <laughs> I'm just going to drape it around my shoulder. And in that moment, uh, we're going to use our imagination. It's going to transport us out of Madison, out of 21st century, and into ancient Babylon 560 years before Christ. And when we're there, of course, you're not going to be you. <laughs> uh, you're going to be ancient Israelite in exile in Babylon. But not just any ancient Israelite. You're going to be the young folks, teenagers, 20-somethings. 25 years ago, the Babylonian army kidnapped your parents and brought them here to Babylon, you are born here. You're the next generation, and you're growing up. So right now, I'm going to ask you to kind of get into character, okay? Use your imagination. Get into the shoes of these people. What kind of issues are they struggling with? What kind of questions do they have, all right? Now, while you will become teenagers and 20-something, I'll be the old rabbi, okay? So you guys ready? All right, here it goes. Oh, rats. I forgot. You guys didn't keep up with your Hebrew studies. Huh. All right, all right, all right. Okay, let me translate. Baruchatah means blessed are you. Adonai Yahweh our God, and Melech Olam, king of the universe. And yes, 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 your parents reminded me that if I actually want you to understand me, I will keep my Hebrew to a minimum. I said I will try. So, welcome to this first ever gathering of the younger folks of our synagogue. Uh, we decided to have this gathering because I've been talking to some of you and some of you, and some of you are telling me that you and your friends, well, you're struggling. You're having lots of questions. And uh, I get it. You are born in Bethlehem, in Babylon. You grew up here. And you are seeing that you are different from everybody else. You eat different food. You wear different clothes. You speak a little Hebrew. Not enough. You keep the Sabbath. But more importantly, you are outsiders here in Babylon. The Babylonians look at you, and they look at you funny. You are born in Babylon, but you do not belong here. But you want to belong. So you're wondering, 
hey, maybe I should just leave this community. Some of you already left. Some of you married Babylonians and you're worshiping other gods and the rest of you are thinking of doing the same thing. You are struggling and you are losing hope. And you have questions. And one of the biggest questions you have is, why are we different from everybody else? So let's start there. Why are we different from everybody else? We are different because we are the chosen people of the one true God. We worship Yahweh. He is unlike any other God. He is like no other God. He is the most powerful God in the universe. He created the world. And he then created humans to rule the world with him. But the humans rebelled. So Yahweh chose our ancestor, Abraham, and made an eternal covenant with him to use his children, to use his descendants to create a kingdom, okay? That's us. That's us, children of Abraham. We are to be God's partners. We are supposed to live in Canaan, to live out his character, and to woo the rebellious world back to him. And so Yahweh starts to get to know Abraham and his family to show us the kind of relationship he wants with us. He doesn't want us just to know him. He wants us to trust him, to love him, to live as his children, to feel like a sense of partnership with him. And then with mighty power, he rescued us out of Egypt. He saved us from oppression and brought us into Sinai and gave us the Torah. He gave us the law that enables us to create a kingdom, a society that takes care of the poor and the powerless. And this kingdom will then shine like a beacon in this dark and broken world full of injustice and exploitation. And then he helped us get into Canaan and we built a kingdom there. And God built his temple and he put his name on that temple and declared that that's where he will live. We got to live as a people with the one true God of the universe living among us. That's us. Why are we different? We are the chosen people of the one true God, partners with him in a mission to the world. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking if we're worshiping the one true God, how do we end up in Babylon? Right? Right? If, if our God is the most powerful God in the world, how do the Babylonian army defeat the army of the one true God? How do the Babylonian army burn down the temple of the most powerful God in the universe? How is that even possible? Maybe we're wrong about our God. Maybe he's not the most powerful one. Maybe the Babylonian God is the most powerful one. Maybe our God is too old and too weak to protect his people. I know you're thinking that. How did we end up in Babylon? It's a sad story. You see, I think the problem is this. Yahweh was not the kind of God that our people wanted. Our people wanted a normal kind of God. You know, the kind of God that everybody else has? You know, you know, the kind of God the Babylonians are worshiping? You know, the fake gods. 
Why do we want fake gods? Because fake gods promise you stuff. They promise you protection, health, safety, security, status, some kind of afterlife. All you have to do is do some animal sacrifices and follow a few rules. And our people wanted that. Our people wanted fake gods. Our people wanted to be able to make a transaction. Hey, God, I do this and you give me that. But our God, Yahweh wanted so much more than that. He wanted to get involved in our lives. He wants to know us intimately. He wants us to talk to him and get involved with him. And our people did not want that. It was too much. And then there was this whole mission thing. <laughs> we were supposed to create a kingdom without poverty, without injustice. All of us living unselfish lives for the sake of this mission to the goyim. <laughs> too much. It's too much. Our people didn't want it. So almost from the very beginning, we started worshiping other gods. And we just forgot all about the mission. And oh God, oh God. That broke our God's heart. You see, our God is somebody who loves intensely. And so he, he, he starts chasing after us. He, he gave us new laws. He gave us great leaders like Moses and Joshua and Samuel. And when our, king, when our society was completely falling apart, he gave us a line of kings from the, from the, from the great King David because we, he knew we needed somebody to follow, somebody we can emulate. But then those kings started rebelling started worshiping other gods, started creating injustice in our society. And that's when God sent his prophets. And the prophets started preaching. Oh, they started preaching words that bled the heart of God, his passion, his pain, his anger, his frustration. He sends a betrayal and rejection by his own children. But more than anything, his love. Oh, his love. Oh, how he loves us. And so he sent prophet after prophet after prophet to call us back to the people we're supposed to be. And we did not turn back. We walked further and further and further away. And at some point, it just had to stop. It was becoming a farce. We had a temple with Yahweh's name on it, but we did not know him and did not care about him. And it wasn't just like, oh, we're messing up on the mission. No, 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 no. We were becoming a people who were actively harming God's mission. You know, we actually had a king. He, he, he sacrificed his own son in God's temple. And at that moment, God said, no, 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 no. This is not my temple. This is not my temple. Please take my name off that temple, except God does not use the word please. He used the Babylonian army. Did you get that? Did you understand that? It wasn't the Babylonian gods. Our God, Yahweh, used the Babylonian army to destroy our land and to destroy that temple. And he brought us here to Babylon. And so here we are, your parents, sitting by the river of Babylon, weeping and lamenting, and you're always wondering why. And I gotta tell you, 
It's not just the war, the trauma. No, it's not just missing the ones we lost. It's not just a hard, long trek from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's not just missing our homeland, the sight and sound of the ocean and, and the beauty of the temple. It's, it's more than that. We weep and lament because we were the segula of God. We were the precious possession of the one true God of the universe. And we sat in Canaan, in the center of the world, and we were his partner in his world transformation mission, and we threw it all away. And we regret that more than anything in the world, and we would do anything to go back and get it back again and do it over. If you want to know more of that story, come to the synagogue. We, uh, we stitched some of the scrolls together for you, turned into one story from the creation of the world to our time in Babylon. It's here. You can come and read it and learn more about who you are. Of course, it is in Hebrew. Some of the elders want to turn it and translate into to Aramaic. For you, I said no. I said, maybe this will motivate you to learn Hebrew and come and read. We're different because we're the chosen people, the one true God, his partner in his mission to the world. We are here in Babylon because we betrayed our God, and our God in anguish and heartbreak destroyed our kingdom and brought us here. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That's great, Rabbi. You told us how we got here. Now what? How does that help me? How does that help me live my life? Because you, your generation, you're the one in, in Jerusalem. You're the one who messed up. We weren't even there. How is this even fair? God's not being fair. And then here's the more, more important problem. We don't really, you don't really want to live like us lamenting and weeping, wishing we can be back in the old country. You want to move on. You want to live your life. You want to leave. So here's the question that you're asking. If God has given up on us, why shouldn't we give up on him? And this is the reason why we're here today. Okay? This is the question. So listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Pay attention. God is not done with us. God is not done with you. The story is not over. Another chapter is coming. Now, I know you're thinking, this is crazy. This is, this is nuts, right? What can we actually do? We are a small group of people in Babylon, in this massive empire. We have no army. We have no leverage. We can't even keep our kids from becoming assimilated and become Babylonians. If this keeps up, we will fade away and we'll become another one of those people lost to history. If God does not act, we are done. We are finished. But God will act. God will do something. How do I know that? Because the prophets that God sent who told us about the exile that we're living in now, they all say the same thing. There is hope after.
Jeremiah, the exile. There's this, there's this prophet named Jeremiah. Oh my gosh. Back in, Jer- back, in, back in Jerusalem, we used to give him such a hard time. Okay, I mean, he used to say the craziest things. He used to say, oh, the Babylonian army is coming and they're gonna destroy the temple. We're like, Jeremiah, you're a fool. You're a fool because this is, this is the temple of Yahweh. This is the temple of the one true God, the most powerful God in the universe. Yahweh would never allow this to happen. And then Jeremiah says, he is not allowing it to happen. He's the one doing it. And it turns out he's right. He's the true prophet of God. And Jeremiah, even that Jeremiah, says there's hope after the exile. This is what God says to Jeremiah. The days are coming. The days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them. We broke God's covenant. And God is going to make a new one with us. Why would he do that? Because our God does not give up. Our God is persistent. Our God is dogged. Our God is unyielding. Our God does not quit. Not ever. So it does not matter what we have done. It's all about what he will do. Our God will restore his kingdom. He will restore us. I know that. I don't know when. I don't know how, but I know it's coming. But we don't just look forward to restoration. We also look forward to transformation. You see, last time we failed. Last time, we didn't love God. We didn't know God. We didn't care about God. We didn't care about his mission. But God said, this time will be different. This time will be different because I will make the people different. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares Yahweh. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know Yahweh, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. (laughs) Do you understand? We're all going to know God, every single one of us. We're all going to know God and love him. And when we do that, the way we see the law, the way we see the mission will all change. Instead of of seeing the law and the mission as a a burden, as a boundary, as a limit, we're going to see it and we're going to go, this is awesome. I want this for my life. I want all of it. And we're going to embrace it. We're going to love it. We have this amazing hope, people. We're going to be restored and we're going to be transformed. Oh, there's one more thing. We're going to get a new king. This king is amazing. This is from the great prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called. This is the name of our king. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. He's going to be called mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of Yahweh Almighty will accomplish this. <laughs> Think about this. He's an amazing king. He's going to be incredible. He's going to be awesome. Now, there's a little part in there I don't quite understand. I mean, like, how is a king supposed to reign forever? I don't get that part. But God's word is mysterious, and I can't wait to find out. This is our hope, folks. This is why I invited you here today. God is going to restore us. God is going to transform us, and he's going to give us a king unlike any other. So here's my challenge for you here today. As our next generation, do not give up. I challenge you, do not give up on God because he will not give up on us. Hope in God because he loves us. Hope in him. There's this prayer in the Torah that God gave to the high priest Aaron. And he says, when you pray this prayer over the people, that this, this prayer puts my name on the people. And this prayer is known as the Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing. And I'm going to pray this prayer over you right now to put God's name over you. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh lift his face towards you and give you shalom. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, welcome back to Madison. That was an interesting trip. Um, the reason we do, we do that is because primary history was written to the exiles in Babylon, and especially to the next generation. And they want to know, why are we different, and why are we in Babylon if God is who he says he is? And so, so the primary history answers it this way. He says, you're, you're, you know, we're the people of God. We're the chosen people of God. That's who we are. That's why we're different. And we're in Babylon because we betrayed our God. And God, in his anguish and heartbreak, sent us here. But primary history doesn't just answer questions. It also provokes questions. And the biggest question it provokes is, now what? What is the hope that we have in Babylon? And the rest of the Old Testament, the prophets, they answer this question. 
Has God given up on us? No, God is going to restore his kingdom. How will the people be different? God is going to transform the heart of his people. How will the king be different? There will be a king unlike any other. That is the hope coming out of the Old Testament. And and as we're finishing the Old Testament and doing a little preview of the New Testament, I'm just going to tell you, a spoiler alert. This is what the New Testament is actually about. The coming of a king like any other, establishing a kingdom filled with people who's transformed and sending them out into the world to accomplish the mission. That's what the New Testament is all about. The New Testament is the final chapter of primary history. Now, it's, 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 there's, there's, New Testament is a great final chapter. There, there's definitely some plot twists going on. There's going to be some surprises. So here are some surprises. And once again, spoiler alert. Surprise number one, the king is actually both God and human. God is going to enter into the story, into his creation. That's a huge surprise. Um, we, we're going to spend three weeks on this sentence, okay? Next week, Jesus as God. Week after that, Jesus as, as a human. And then Jesus as king. Three sermons on this sentence alone. Surprise number two, the king dies. Oh, nobody saw that one coming. The Old Testament says the people are going to be transformed, but it never explains exactly how that's going to work. Well, as it turns out, to, for people to be transformed, they need to join with their king, who is both God and human, join him in his death, and join him in his resurrection to enter into a new life. In other words, for a people to be transformed, the king must die. We're going to spend two Sundays talking about how the cross accomplishes the transformation of God's people. Surprise number three is that if God, if Jesus is the one in which we are transformed in, that means the boundary of God's people is no longer the descendants of Abraham. Anybody can join Jesus and be part of his people. And so big surprise, the kingdom is multicultural, multilingual, and multinational. And this becomes a huge issue in the story of the church. That's the New Testament. Now, I know some of you, you probably never heard the New Testament talked about in this way. Some of you have the idea that, oh, the New Testament seems to be about Jesus coming to die for our sins so that we can be forgiven, then we can be saved, then we can go to heaven. Okay? Now, that's not wrong. That's just really, 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 really incomplete. Right? It's what happens when you read the New Testament without the Old Testament story. Uh, we just read the New Testament by itself. We miss all kinds of stuff. But when we put the New Testament back into the Old Testament context, right, the New Testament comes to life. And that's going to be a challenge for us. I think for most of us, we know the New Testament really well. We read these passages over and over again. And what I'm challenging you to do today as you move forward, as we get to the New Testament, is to figure out how to read the New Testament text with brand new eyes. Read them as a concluding chapter to the story of the Old Testament. It's going to be a challenge. And um, as part of that challenge... Hey, we did a reading plan for the beginning of the, the, the series. Some of you are still in this one-year plan, but for some of you who have, who have come in, you know, in the middle of the series, we have a 30-day plan that'll give you kind of, the, kind of the, the broad sweep of the story called the Story of God Reading Plan, 30-day plan. You can start today, you can start tomorrow, and you can get the whole story in 30 days. I challenge you, 
get going on that and read the New Testament through brand new eyes. All right. My final thought today. Because some of you sitting here might be thinking, okay, that was a lot of time spent thinking and reading the Old Testament through the lens of ancient Israelites in Babylon. What does that have to do with us? Madison, 21st century. And, 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 and yes, we are on the other side of what they're hoping for. They're hoping for a king like no other. Jesus has come. They're hoping for transformation. Jesus died so that we can be transformed and, be, and receive the Holy Spirit. But we have more in common with them than we realize. You see, the New Testament tells us that Jesus constituted the new kingdom, the church, that's us, and he sends us out into the world into exile. Just like the ancient Israelites in Babylon, we live in a place, in a culture, that is in rebellion against God. Our beliefs, some of them not so popular. We live in tension, the same kind of tension. There's pressure to manage. We are here, but we don't belong, and we want to belong. And so many of us, we are struggling. Many of us, we are struggling. We're asking questions. We're deconstructing. We're wondering about leaving our faith. Some of us, you know, I just want to live my own life. I want to be like everybody else. Some of us, I don't care that much about the mission. Can I just do my own thing? Some of us, you've gone through really hard times, really difficult places, and you're wondering whether God has abandoned you. Now, in the one minute I have left, I'm not going to give you any answers. There's no easy answers anyway. But I want to give you what was given to the exiles. Do not give up on God because God will not give up on us. Hope in God, because he loves us. So let me close by offering that same prayer that God gave to Aaron to use to bless the people. And right now, with this prayer, I put God's name upon you. Yevarecha Adonai Vahishmarecha Yaeh Adonai Panavahalecha Vihunecha Yisah Adonai Panavahalecha May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh lift his face towards you and give you shalom. And all God's people said, Amen.